0: Welcome to another edition of the Flathead Beacon Podcast. I'm your host, Micah Drew, recording from the beautiful snow covered Flathead Valley. It's Wednesday, January 26th. Across the country, there have been winter surges in COVID 19 cases, most related to the new Omicron variant, and Montana has not been immune. Flathead County is seeing the highest levels of hospitalizations and case numbers since the height of the Delta variant surge last fall, and hospital and health department staff are close to being overwhelmed. Here to bring us a COVID update is Flathead Beacon reporter Mike Cordenbrock. But before we chat with Mike, a quick reminder that this podcast is made possible in part by members of the Flathead Beacon Editors Club. Members support all of our journalism in all of its forms, in print, online, and here in the podcast studio, and they do so for as little as $5 per month. Plus, there's some extra perks involved too. To find out more or join today, check out BeaconEditorsClub.com. I am happy to have you up in the podcast studio yet again. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's great to be back. So you have your nose to the ground in terms of all things uh, COVID and healthcare going on in the Valley. So brought you up here to give us a little bit of an an update, dive a little bit into the stories that you and also Maggie wrote for this week's cover, kind of going into the the business side impacts and, and what people are seeing. But to start us off, let's just go with some of the, the the hard numbers we're we're seeing. We're not in a great place right now, in the Flathead.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's fair to say. You know, these are um, in terms of hospitalizations; these are numbers that are comparable. I mean, yeah, this is this is very similar in terms of hospitalizations what we saw, I think, during the Delta surge in the fall. Mm-hmm. So. You know, just uh, just to start off with hospitalization numbers, um, you know, some of the most recent figures I, I got from, these are actually from the county health department. Mm-hmm. Uh, yesterday, there were 55 people hospitalized in the county for COVID-19. And so, you know, contextually, um, when we talk about what that means in terms of uh, previous surges we've seen, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the peak that we saw, and I, I believe it was early November. I think it was the seven day average daily hospital census. So the number of COVID nineteen patients in the county hospitals over seven day period, the average is about sixty. Mm. So that was in early November. And so right now, you know, fifty-five hospitalizations yesterday and I think there were about fifty nine last Friday. Mm-hmm. So and and then, you know, just to take that a little bit further, that's a lot, obviously. Um, but you know, in terms of what what Logan is is reporting, um, the Montana Department of Public Health and Human Services um, for a while now has been they publish these once a week. They just come out on Mondays. Mm-hmm. They snapshot um, hospital occupancy reports. So it, you know they they come with a lot of caveats, a lot of precautions. This is a, this is a snapshot, of a moment in time in terms of hospital bed availability and capacity. So you know, I pulled the most recent numbers just saying you know, we were going to talk about this. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the report that was issued yesterday by DPHHS. So we had eight out of 10 large hospitals in the state were limited in terms of bed availability or nearing capacity. Seven out of 10 large hospitals in the state limited in terms of uh, bed availab- availability or nearing capacity in their ICUs. Um, and so, Logan, we've talked about the numbers they're seeing, but but in terms of their capacity, you know, they're reporting that they are at, at over ninety percent of their beds occupied. And actually, their report yesterday said that they were twelve beds over capacity. So there are a lot of people that are sick right now, you know. And, and the other side of it is this. This came up in my conversation with our health officer yesterday, Joe Russell. You know, this is believed to be a less Virulent strain of of COVID nineteen Omicron, which is which is what is spreading rapidly throughout the state. So it's it's generally believed to cause less severe illness. That's mm-hmm. uh, not a guarantee for anyone, but that's you know, sort of a trend that's being seen. But it's extremely transmissible, so it's spreading very quickly. And so it's getting to vulnerable people you know much more easily, I think. And, you know at, at the same time, there's there's some issues in, in sort of the the treatment options. you know, it's been reported at Daily Interlake. I had a story last week, you know, mentioning that the uh, that Logan was was uh, I think ceasing their their monoclonal antibody operation. And, uh, you know, I had talked with Dr. Corey Short over at, at Logan, uh, I think a week prior to that, and he had said that, yeah, I mean, a lot of these monoclonal antibodies that had worked against the Delta variant are, are not really effective with oh. Omicron. So, that's sort of a tool that they, to some degree, they've lost. It's not to say that there's, there aren't any, you know, treatment options available.
0: But when you lose one of the main ones, that doesn't, yeah. doesn't put you in a good place.
1: No, I mean, I I think that definitely, uh, it's not something they wanted to happen. Mm -hmm. Uh, and Dr. Short had mentioned that there is, I think he said there is a monoclonal antibody uh, that it has some efficacy that's shown to work against Omicron, but it's the availability is very limited. Similarly, there's some newer antiviral pills that have been developed, Mm -hmm. but again, the availability is very limited. So, um, there's no guarantee that if you need that you're going to be able to get it. So um that's a, that's a lot of um a lot of numbers
0: I have probably thrown at you. <laughs> but it's still established through everyone that you've talked to that the best way to keep yourself safe and and hope for a uh for for lesser symptoms if you do catch it is to get vaccinated and and boosted and and take care of that kind of baseline protection.
1: Yeah, I mean, that that continues to be the the, the recommended method for, mm-hmm. for protecting yourself from, you know, the, the medical experts that I've spoken with. Um, you know, obviously, people have other opinions about that. But, you know, and to that point, I mean, our vaccination rate here is 44%. And it's been at 44% since, I think, the end of November. Mm-hmm. So, it's it is... Very stagnant right
0: now. How does in your chats with the with the health officer? How does he feel about that kind of hitting a plateau and, and no real foreseeable bump? I know that they've stopped vaccine clinics and mass to the county.
1: Yeah, well, and I mean, just to be clear, they haven't stopped them. They'll they'll be ceasing the mm-hmm. ceasing operations of that mass vaccine site. I think
0: at the start of next month. Mm-hmm. So about um, to, to clamp down on the, those those yeah bigger there's a events. limited
1: number of those mass vaccination mm-hmm. clinics at the fairgrounds um, they're They're going to draw them down and, and and cease operations next month so um yeah, I mean they want to see more people va- I, I think I think the health department would like to see more people vaccinated It's very it's effective um, and this has killed almost three thousand Montanans at this point. Uh, including uh, 228 in Flathead County. Mm. And so, I mean, the death total obviously is, I think, um, uh, sometimes I think about uh, whether or not that should just be the first sentence in every story Um, because I think sometimes we lose sight of the fact that, um, you know, a lot of people get this and recover, but a lot of people, you know, also don't. A lot lot of people's lives are changed um, because when somebody dies, it's not, the effects, you know, sort of spider webs out from them. You know, the people they know and care about, that hurts them too.
0: It's it's interesting you say that that should be the first line because I remember early on when we first started reporting on on the pandemic back in 2020, every time the health department or the state reported a single death, that was a a pretty big story for the day when the numbers were single digits, double digits, even triple digits statewide. Those got a got a headline every time it happened, and now they get maybe a mention on an update every couple of weeks mm-hmm. um, just because it's where we've started to get numb to, to the vast toll that actually this is taking.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, to some degree, I mean, you know, you, you have to be able to sort of um, put these things in perspective mm-hmm. and, and sort of not, not let it be the sort of the overbearing element of your, of your, every waking thought. I mean, we Mm -hmm. have to, we have to live our lives. And, but at the same time, I mean, a lot, I think a lot of us are some degree are are lucky in that we're able to put this out of mind. And meanwhile, you know, um, there's people who can't walk away from this or, or are obligated to confront this on a daily basis, which just, I I mean, I think that kind of ties into the work that my colleague uh, Maggie Dresser Mm -hmm. did. Excellent story in this week's Beacon that I really would recommend people read. Um, just about the strain on healthcare workers, uh, with an emphasis, you know, on nurses mm-hmm. and what they're dealing with. Um, because you know, again, we hear about deaths. We know that they're happening, uh, but these are people who are who are witnessing this on a daily basis. They have to be there. And so they know better than any of us um, sort of how devastating this is. And I I think they're feeling it, you know, quite a bit. Uh, As Maggie lays out in her story, um, there's a big, there are big shortages right now. And Mm. the people that are still working, um, you know, we've been at this for a few years now. Um, And so there's some degree there, there, I think probably exhausted and, and worn down from just the fact that this is ongoing. It's a lot. I mean, um, and if I can just, uh, just read a little bit from Maggie's story, yeah. I mean, just really just up, uh, just read a quick quote here. You know, one of the people Maggie interviewed is Jessica Dahlman, who's a nurse over at Logan. and mm-hmm. uh, She's also a city council member in Kalispell. And so here's what Jessica said to Maggie at one point. So we are all coming at this moral dissonance uh, because at this point we're all short-staffed and we're not able to provide the care that we want to provide to these patients, Dalman said. Uh, one of the big things that hurts all of us is patients that are not able to have their family members available while they're mm-hmm. sick and dying. There would be people crying in the waiting rooms because they couldn't come in. We're holding up iPads for people that are dying alone. Um, so... So this is, this is the experience of one nurse. And obviously there, there are many more that have gone through things like this in our community.
0: In your discussions with um, physicians, with doctors, with, with Joe Russell at the health department, do we have a sense of when this wave might peak and when we'll get to the other side? Because every time we've gotten to a, a really bad spot, it's been part of a wave that kind of crashes, crests, and then we go into a lull where do we stand in terms of this latest one?
1: Yeah. Um, I, I haven't really gotten any, excuse me, strong predictions about, you know, when this will end or when it won't. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it's not necessarily something that I have been seeking out because I, I mean, I think we all know that it will end mm-hmm. or at least the wave will subside. Um, but, I mean, I, I guess the thing that I kind of keep in mind is, is just, um, you know, we, we have seen uh, some of these waves start to come down in other parts of the country. And so the way I think about it and, and the way that, you know, the people I've spoken with kind of think about it is Montana is usually weeks behind everybody else. It, it's kind of been the trend throughout the mm-hmm. pandemic. We all remember the very beginning of this when, you know, there were sort of horrific surges in China and Europe and parts of the East Coast um, and, and Montana. Was, it was not anywhere close to that uh, sort of early on. So, I mean, we're, we're typically behind in, in sort of the what's seen with national trends. So it will it will subside at some point. We're all hoping that's sooner rather than later.
0: Well, last thing I just want to visit, especially at the county level, what what is being done right now? Vaccine clinics are going to start tamping down. Tests have been sent out nationally. You can you can register, I, I believe, and and still get those ordered. Well, what does it look like at the county level in terms of testing availability? Um, Being able to get those out and also uh, health department staffing right now, I know that they have had difficulty getting us numbers because they have been getting so many cases that they haven't been able to keep up with everything.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I think it's something like uh, the situation report yesterday, they reported 2,700 active Mm. cases, which, you know, the the state website is showing us with about 1,000, I think around 900 today. So that's an issue that, that seems to have come up because of the overwhelming number of sort of data that they have to process mm-hmm. um, just the way the system works you have to go through a few steps at the county level before those cases are updated online on the state website so there's there's kind of a, a disparity there between um, what's, what's being reported by the health department and what's mm-hmm. being reported by the state and then I mean just to circle back real quick I mean you, Mentioned like the vaccine clinic thing. I mm-hmm. mean, so the, so the mass site is closing down at the fairgrounds, but still, vaccine availability countywide. I mean, the pharmacies are continuing to offer it as well as other medical providers. So, mm-hmm. so, um, but yeah, I mean, testing has been a big thing lately, especially because of the rapid spread of Omicron. Kind of coinciding with um, a time of the year where a lot of people want to spend time with their loved ones, mm-hmm. um, and so for some people, the, the getting a test, just ensuring to some degree that, that they're not going to infect people they care about, it's been a big priority. And you know, so a lot of things have coalesced to create um, kind of a chaotic testing situation where there there have been shortages. You know, I'm sure people have seen. Uh, We've reported for a few weeks now the county health department has been out of tests that they're being supplied with by by the state of Montana. So there is good news on that front. Um, I talked with Joe Russell yesterday. He said that the state had received a a shipment of tests and they were going to start distributing them. Um, and, And Joe told me that Flathead County had asked for about uh i think 5000 tests contextually sort of when we just when we started to see an increase in positive cases and, and testing demand uh several weeks ago prior to that the county had been asking for i think around 700 tests a week to hand out oh wow okay they ramped it up to a, i think it was between 1000 and 1200 Ooh, I might be getting these numbers mixed up, <laughs> mm-hmm. but, uh, this is, if they get all, if they get 5,000 tests, this will be a lot of tests compared to what they previously have had on hand. And, uh, uh, Joe said that they, they plan on distributing them immediately. There'll probably be some more announcements later this week. He was hoping, expecting they might have these tests by about midweek. So what does midweek mean? <laughs> we'll see could mean wednesday could could not um so uh, there's going to be some improvement i think in terms of, of testing availability uh, i guess i guess the other the other like significant development with the <laughs> health department is uh you know they made an announcement today um about universal case investigation and contact tracing okay and so at the time we're talking right now this is still pretty fresh mm-hmm. um and having some follow-up conversations about this it'll it'll be something i cover this week
0: well mike thank you so much for for sharing all of that and your continued reporting i'm sure more will be coming out this week as as you keep keeping us updated <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> i uh
1: I think like uh, many print reporters, I get a little uncomfortable hearing my own voice for a prolonged period of time. So
0: It's good. It's it's good. It's a, it's nice to kind of shift the medium and you get a lot of things out that, you know, we don't see in the print pieces. So I appreciate you coming up and, and coming on the pod.
1: Yeah, well, I, I hope everybody uh, finds this useful. And, <laughs> and uh, just one last uh, thing, once again, I would really recommend reading all of this week's issue. But in particular, I think Maggie's story. As far as what we're talking about today, it's it's very, very timely, very relevant. Absolutely.
0: And those will all be linked in the show notes. So thanks a lot. And we'll uh, look forward to hearing you the next time. (laughs) Awesome. Thanks. On Tuesday, the Flathead County Health Department sent out a press release stating they were going to transition away from universal case investigation and contact tracing at this point in the pandemic. The press release listed four factors in this decision, including the large number of asymptomatic and mild cases resulting from changes in the genetic makeup of the virus with the Omicron variant, immunity based on vaccination efforts, the shorter incubation period of the Omicron variant, making it more difficult to identify close contacts, and the transmission of the virus occurring prior to symptom onset and during the first few days of illness. According to the release, the Health Department will suspend activities regarding identification of close contacts and recommending quarantine measures in the general population effective immediately. However, the Department's position has not changed as far as it relates to isolation of cases and identification of high-risk exposures as effective public health control measures they will continue to identify and contact these high-risk cases within a 24-hour period. For more information, you can visit the Flathead County Health Department website or see some reporting that will be forthcoming by Mike Kortenbrock. Now, here are the biggest stories from the last seven days as of 10 p.m. Tuesday, January 25th. Whether or not a citizen-initiated Flathead County Zoning District precludes a controversial water bottling plant from operating in Creston is about to be decided by the Montana Supreme Court after hearing oral arguments on January 19th. The land use controversy goes back to 2014 when Creston landowner Lou Weaver incorporated Montana Artisan Water Company in order to produce bottled water on his farmland in Creston. He applied for permits from the State Department of Environmental Quality and the Department of Natural Resources and Conservation that would allow his company to produce up to 140,000 water bottles per hour, 24 hours a day, equaling roughly 1.2 billion water bottles a year. In separate rulings, judges in Flathead and Lewis and Clark counties have said that the state agencies erred in issuing the permits, which have been tied up in litigation for years and are now under agency review. Butthead Beacon Managing Editor Tristan Scott has been following this case for years and offers a clear rundown of the latest litigation in his reporting. Up in Whitefish, the containers at the central recycling site have been regularly overflowing with cans and cardboard since it opened in 2015, a persistent challenge that set city officials on a years-long course to settle on a mandatory curbside recycling program. With the city's recent decision to move forward with bids for a residential recycling program slated to go online this spring, the central site will permanently close on January 31st, leaving Whitefish residents without a centralized recycling depository, but saving the city tens of thousands of dollars and curtailing the problems of contamination and illegal dumping. The rollout of the curbside program was expected to happen last year, but has been beset by delays. As the city finally closes in on a curbside program and makes improvements to its solid waste collections, recycling services will be available to interested people through private vendors and county-operated drop-off sites located throughout the valley. For a full list of options, you can visit wastenotproject.org slash recycle slash where to recycle. On an 8-1 to vote last week, the Kalispell City Council approved on first reading a five-story $34 million downtown hotel development and a 250-space parking garage, as well as a land transfer of the prominent city-owned parking lot on 3rd Avenue and Main Street. The parking garage is expected to cost around $7 million and would be located at the city's Eagles lot on the southeast corner of 1st Street West and 1st Avenue West. The developers will design, finance, and build the city-owned parking structure using a public bidding process for construction. Commercial space on the bottom level is also planned for the parking garage with 90 spaces leased by the developer. And finally, last week we saw the announcement of Flathead Valley's minor league baseball team's name, logo, and mascot. The Glacier Range Riders, clad in park service green, will take to the field this summer with an opening home game against Billings on June 14th. The Range Rider's name honors the early days of the National Park Service and currently has two mascots, a bear and a mountain goat, both wearing ranger uniforms. That's all I have for you today. As always, stay up to date with all of the latest local news online at flatheadbeacon.com and you can follow The Beacon on Twitter along with each reporter. This episode of the podcast was hosted, mixed, produced, and edited by me, Micah Drew. Music in this episode includes songs by local Flathead Valley artist Mike Murray, who's kind enough to let us play them. That's our show for this week. Thanks for listening.